Gators Breakdown. Because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I am your host, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. And here we are, 2023 SEC Media Days. And hey, I kind of miss it. I'm not there this year. Uh, a lot of things going on, so I couldn't make it to Nashville. I mean, location played a little part in it, a little further than Alabama, a little further than Atlanta, but uh, had some other things going on too. So, uh, but I uh, couldn't make it to the SEC Media Days this year, but of course, uh, still got plenty, plenty to react to there with Billy Napier, Ricky Pearsall, Jason Marshall, Kingsley Aguakin heading to Nashville uh, as the Gator uh, grouping uh, taking on uh, the SEC media right there in Nashville. So plenty, plenty to get into, of course. I mean, that's what, that's what this is, the unofficial kickoff to football season. So while recruiting has been the hot topic, of course, all summer long, this is where we get to a little bit more football. We've had the preseason magazines to get us in that football mood a little bit with, hey, look, the Gators, I think, report on July 30th. Fall camp starts July 31st. So football ready to get that spotlight away from recruiting just a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> but uh, right now, hey, we'll, we'll talk some football. It's time to – Time to really get into the football team uh, a bit with SEC Media Days right here. So that's what we do right here on Gators Breakdown. But you know, kind of the you saw it, the title of the episode. The um, I thought there was a quiet confidence. I thought by Billy Napier that kind of surprised me a little bit. Um, not saying he shouldn't act that way. It's just I'm not sure it would come across, and it really did. No, I think there's a, a confidence there by Billy Napier in these players. And it, look, I think a lot of it is you know want, wanting to silence the doubters uh, that that that's out there, whether it be me, whether it be other podcasters, whether it be you, whether it be the fan base, whether it be other SEC media, ESPN, SEC Network. I mean, of course, there's a lot of you know all these as I mentioned the preseason magazines that were going going through all summer long. Is uh, you know of course there's a lot of of doubters and a lot of critics of this Gator. Team. Team. So um, they're just ready to go out there and, and, and silence the doubters. So that's kind of what the, the overall theme was uh, from SEC Media Days, but a little more uh, to, to get into as well. Uh, some revelations uh, of uh, maybe some, some position groups. Uh, Billy Napier, the play caller. Uh, I think we, we can get into that. Well, of course, more quarterback talk, of course, with Graham Mertz coming in. You know, this is the nation's first time really talking to Billy Napier uh, about transfer Graham Mertz coming in and, and all that and, and, and this quarterback battle. So and a lot more to get into. So got some sound bites from Billy Napier and all the players that 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 uh, went to Nashville as well. So we'll get into it. Uh, you guys know if, if you've been around long enough, you know, with SEC Media Days, you know how we do it right here uh, on Gators Breakdown. So kind of like spring practice where we get all the interviews and react to some of the sound bites uh, that uh, we get to hear from these players. So hit that like button. Subscribe to Gators Breakdown if you haven't done so yet on YouTube or your favorite podcast platform. But those likes go a long way, helping other Gator fans out there find all this Gators coverage right here at SEC Media Days. Go to Gators Breakdown Plus. The conversation going on there right now in that Discord about SEC Media Days, of course. And then uh, on Thursday, you know, we'll be looking for following some more recruiting news, so you can get a lot of good reaction right there uh, in the Gators Breakdown Plus uh, Discord. Link is in the description to join so all right let's take it to nashville billy napier of course getting uh the opening statement and getting the the uh, a long long piece that the head coaches all get at that main uh podium uh right there in nashville so we'll start there at the opening statement there from billy napier but i also added a couple questions to kind of go along with that uh to kind of take us on the journey here of questions where we go back to last year and also looking forward 
and on the expectations of this Gator team. January, uh, we, we went through an extensive detailed review of year one at Florida. You know, as an entire organization, um, each individual, each department, you know, what worked, what didn't work, uh, how do we adjust, how do we adapt, how do we evolve? And we started the process of getting our 2023 team ready to go. You know, this is a new group of players. Uh, we have a few new staff dynamics. But one of the things I'm encouraged about is we have 93% of our team was with us in January. We had 27 mid-year players. Uh, we've got a great group of veterans that have experience, that have wisdom from the past. We brought in an influx of young talent. And I feel really good about what we, what we did in the portal. You know, we added 10,000 snaps and 123 starts with that group. You know, I'm excited about the compound effect of year two. You know, the consistency in process, the consistency in our systems. I think we've defined expectations. Uh, we've renewed accountability and there's a different level of discipline uh, and there's a different level of detail as we work today. You know, we've benefited from executing the entire offseason in our new facility. The Hebner football training facility has allowed us to be more efficient. Uh, we have great resources to offer our players. And we found that the players spend more time in the building, therefore they spend more time with each other, and it really has affected our team dynamic. You know, one of the things we're not going to do with our team is we're not going to allow outside opinion or a creative narrative to define the reality for the 2023 team. You know, the head ball coach, uh, a Gator legend, Steve Spurrier, said it best when he said, this is talking season. And uh, the games are coming, and in the meantime, this group will continue to work like it's been working. You know, we're in the week seven of a nine-week program. It's important that we stay focused as we finish up and we transition into training camp. The next five weeks will be paramount for our football team. You know, I believe life's about people. I believe the game of football is about people. And it's important. This is our great game. You know, I always try to keep it in perspective. I love to play this game. You know, this is a game I love to play. If I could keep playing, I'd continue to play. It's a game I love to coach. You know, I'm going to enjoy doing it. I'm excited to coach this team, this group of players. I'm proud of this group. And I'm looking forward to this coming year. Uh, coach, what did you learn in your first year in the league in year one? And then what do you kind of hoping to accomplish and, and see in year two? Yeah, no, I think we learned a lot. Um, I think for me, it was unique because I'd been out of the league for five years, you know, so you come back into the league, um, you inherit a roster, um, and you have a pulse of where you're at, and then you go play week in, week out. And I think it just really uh, you kind of calibrate your eye, you know, relative to where we at as a program, uh, what is our roster like, where do we need to go? Um, and I don't think you truly understand that until you're standing on the field with each one of these teams, right? So I think it helped us adjust uh, big picture relative to where we're at as a program and what we need to do to get back um, to where the Gators are a consistent championship contender, right? So I think for me, um, that's my biggest takeaway from year one. 
Talk about expectations. You talked about a narrative. I go back to a great quote by Gandhi. I won't allow other people to walk through my mind with their dirty feet. You said you're not going to let other people write your narrative. How in the hell could anybody ever have low expectations for a program like Florida? Well, I think it's important to evaluate things in context, right? Um, and we talk a lot about this in recruitment. You know, 2008, the Gators won the national championship. That's 15 years ago, the last time the Gators won the SEC or the national championship, right? So the young people that we're recruiting now, they were one, two, three years old, right? So that's one of the battles that we have is recent success. Um, so um, I do, you know, one of the things I respect about the place is people care, right? Uh, you want a job with high expectations. You want a job where there's alignment, there's commitment, there's resources, and we have that. So uh, we are not lacking in any area at the University of Florida. Our player experience right now is as good as anywhere. Um, and I've been impressed with the caliber of people that we've hired. Uh, and I think as we continue to evaluate and recruit well and, you know, retain our people, you know, not only the players, but staff. And we have consistency uh, in our process, consistency in our systems, the way we create habits, the values that we teach, uh, the big picture approach relative to our purpose. Uh, if we can keep people at the core of what we do, uh, we got a chance to do something really special here. There we go. I had to unmute the mic there for a second. There we are. Billy Napier, of course, at the main podium, getting a couple questions uh, elsewhere in there in Nashville as well. Uh, but, yeah, you can see there is, uh, I, I think, some quiet confidence. Hey, look, and there should be. I mean, go back. Uh, and there's, there's one reason I'm hesitant to get too far down on Florida compared to everybody else because of uh, the history. And, look, I know it's different. I know it was the Sun Belt. I know it was his first job. I know it was different. But there was a marked improvement in year one to year two at Louisiana. Uh, and you hope, look, I don't think it's going to translate that well. I mean, that was a huge jump at Louisiana. You know, I think going in and win, winning double digits in his year two. I don't see double digit wins for Florida, but it does give me some hope that there is growth in year two. And I think Billy Napier kind of is really expressing that as well. And not necessarily because, hey, I've done it before, but it, it, there's just a natural progression of a year one to year two and everything you have to learn and he, he look he mentioned that you know they learned a lot in year one and everything you know he had to learn the roster and look, I think if we go back to last year a bit uh, I know he was high on Anthony Richardson I was very very high on Anthony Richardson I think there was a lot put on that quarterback position last year and what Anthony Richardson could be and you were not going to know how it played out until you got into the season. Like, what was the consistency level going to be from the quarterback spot? And we saw it just in the first two weeks. We got the great Anthony Richardson in week one, and then we didn't know what we were going to get in week two, and what we got was nowhere near what we, get, what we saw in week one. And that kind of just played out you know, throughout games. Uh, you know, it, it could be in certain games last year, like the FSU game, where you start very well, but you could not have the consistency in the second half. You know, and we saw that up and down all all, all year. Uh, you know, so I think that was one learning experience is, you know, maybe not having to put so much uh, on the quarterback, and maybe you know, gets getting something where you know you're going to want more consistency uh, from that spot. So hopefully, that's what Billy Napier is going to, uh, uh, Graham Mertz. You know, we'll get into him in just a second too, but uh, he may not be the outstanding 
playmaker Anthony Richardson is, but whether it be him or Jack Miller or Max Brown, however it works out for quarterback, you get a little more consistency uh, at that spot. So that's something I think, you know, we're talking about learning experience. I think especially at the quarterback spot last year is, um, you know, uh, maybe not putting so much uh, on that spot. And of course, I think big picture wise, I think we we're seeing the results of it now on the recruiting trail, uh, but having to learn so much, on the job, you get the job. Uh, what transfer portal is going crazy? NIL is going crazy. You got to figure those two aspects out while you're trying to go find a house for your family, find a school for your family. You know, get get your family in town, and then also you know, learning what roster you have, who you want to keep uh, for the current roster, uh, getting ready for spring ball, getting ready for all the regiment. Uh, that Billy Napier had. There was a lot to figure out, and now I think we're we are seeing that they did figure out a, a lot of things and all those aspects last year. So, um, uh, you know, now it's more about football. That we we know NIL is going to be there. We know transfer portal is always going to be there. But now in year two, we can see it's more about football. He knows his players better. Players know him better. He knows the mistakes he made and the coaching staff made on the sideline last year in certain situations. So now they know what to work on, uh, and I think there, there's some confidence there. Uh, but one thing I did like, you know, and we'll go back to the quote, you know, one of the things we are not going to do with our team is we are not going to allow outside opinion or create a narrative to define the reality of the 2023 team. I mean, there's still games got to be played. No matter what I say, no matter what you say, no matter what media predicts for these Florida Gators, they still got to go play the games. I can predict five wins, six wins, seven wins, eight wins, nine wins. It doesn't matter. You got to go out there and improve it. They're not going to let what anybody says, you know, kind of dictate what they want to do. Everything's going to be inside the building. Now, of course, they'll hear the noise, uh, but I do think, you know, they're not going to let it define. You know, Florida's not, Florida's not going to go win eight or nine games because of what I say or because of what an ESPN article says or what an Athlon prediction says. You know, Florida's going to go, go out there and win eight or nine games because of what they believe in what they have a mindset to go out there and do so um i I do like that now of course these are words he even admitted this is talking season so they're they're gonna be doing some talking too as a while the media so all all these things sound good and stuff but you know i i do think you know the the reputation uh, of billy napier a a bit it it is that you know what you're going to get it's straight straight to straight straight to business you know and you know what to expect and uh, they'll, they'll move forward with that mindset. So I think uh, year two, that's kind of where this was going, and maybe some expectations. And year two, paired with experience and experience in the portal, you know, players know what to do. Coaches know the players better. Uh, and you know, tied in to everybody getting that experience last year, too. I, I think that the, the portal class Florida brought in, and we'll get into transfer portal in just a second, but I'll hit on that, you know, kind of, the, the theme here of you know looking forward uh, and about these expectations. I really like what the what the Gators did in the transfer portal uh, to add to the experience uh, to build on last year. So um, as far as that one goes, you, you're bringing in guys that while they don't have the experience of playing with Florida last year, and Billy Napier mentioned all the snaps that he brought in. You had, you, you 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 brought. Graham Mertz in at quarterback with a lot of snaps. Cam Jackson in along the defensive line with a lot, a lot of snaps. Carroll, the running back from Tulane, with a lot of snaps. So you're getting a lot of experience here through the transfer portal paired with the experience that you were 
able to build the team with last year. So I think there's, I think that's why there's a lot of confidence uh, in, in coming from Billy Napier uh, there. So let's go to the quarterback spot. And of course, big, big, we, we knew he was going to be peppered with questions there because this is a lot of the first time the, the, the media, uh, the national media, the, the Southern media gets in front of Billy Napier. So a lot of what we hear from the quarterback, uh, you know, we've heard before a bit and kind of where we know this quarterback, uh, you know, battle is coming out of spring. But, of course, it's going to be a hot topic there in, in Nashville. So let's get Billy Napier's thoughts on the quarterback spot. Talk a little bit about Graham Mertz, the quarterback you picked up from Wisconsin. What made him the right choice for you? And what's the battle like in that room between he and Jack Miller? You know, I've been uh, very impressed with Graham. Graham's a 32-start player. He's played over 2,000 snaps at a a really established program in Wisconsin. Uh, We went through an extensive process to make that decision. And um, I think Graham's an accomplished player. Uh, but more importantly, I've been impressed with the person, the leader. Uh, this guy has an incredible motor and work ethic. Uh, he is in the building, and he is fanatical about his preparation. So I think that has helped the competition. I think it's caused Jack to respond. Jack's had an incredible offseason, and he's in position for a great camp. And, and we've been really pleased with a young uh, player, Max Brown. He's had a good summer. He's impressed the staff, and he's impressed his teammates. So. Um, we're excited about that competition. It'll go into training camp, and we'll make a decision when we see fit for the team. There you go, making a decision when they see fit for the team. And, you know, that there was some other media uh, opportunities there in Nashville that's not necessarily, uh, you know, put out on, on video form. A lot of local media gets a, a shot with him as well. Uh, but Billy Napier did go on to say the resolution to quarterback would come quick. And, you know, putting a timeline on it. And, that's something I brought up. I brought. I asked him about that. Oh, excuse me. My nose is kind of going crazy there. I thought I had to sneeze for a second. Um, I asked Billy Napier about that back in the spring, about a timeline of naming a starter. And I'm big on when you get in the fall camp. Uh, now, granted, the way Florida does practice, your number one quarterback and your number two quarterback get a lot of reps. They, they, they really do. Uh, but, you know, I, I think the better, the, the sooner you can identify the number one quarterback named your number one quarterback. Well, that, that guy knows and your team knows. Uh, and I think yeah, you can move forward in, in building, you know, your team in that image throughout fall camp and, and going into the season. And Billy Napier did say the resolution would come quick. And from everything I can gather and asking around, I think you're looking probably at that, that, that first scrimmage. I think you may have whatever battle there is, uh, look, I still think Graham Mertz is leading the way. If I had, if I had to name a leader, I won't necessarily say, okay, he's the quarterback. But if there's a leader going into fall camp, I don't think it's any surprise to think it's him. Uh, and then Jack Miller, Max Brown uh, behind. I mean, I, I'm probably higher on Max Brown than I am Jack Miller. But you know, it does seem to be a Mertz, Miller, Max Brown order there. But I do like Billy Napier pretty much saying this is not going to linger for a few weeks, and I think the scrimmage is would be like the ninth practice if it kind of goes in, in in the past. So you're probably looking at nine practices, a little over a week for the Gators uh, to kind of maybe ha- have that battle there. You know, if they go into the first scrimmage, whoever comes at it, I, I don't think the scrimmage itself will be okay. This is who's going to be quarterback one, but I think this quote unquote battle will go into the first scrimmage, and then after that, 
you'll get your starter named, and Florida will hit in the next three weeks or so getting ready for Utah with that number one quarterback identified. So I think, you know, I, I don't think you, Alabama, you know, you go, go just look at another team. They got three quarterbacks. You know, how long would that battle go on? You know, for Florida, I think, I mean, I, I, the one that I think we, are, a lot of us go to would be the um, Driscoll Jacoby Brissett uh, battle back in the day where you didn't know they're both going to game one. And it, what, I think it was first two snaps were two different quarterbacks or whatever. So, uh, no, I, I think when we get to a point in, in fall camp and he wants that resolution to be quick, look around that first scrimmage uh, and then my prediction and, and, and not really, you know, not breaking news and not uh, putting anything earth shattering out there. I think it'll be Graham Mertz uh, leading the Gators when they go to Utah in, in game one. But I do like the, 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 the thought of, all right, let, let's get it settled quick. Let's name our number one. Let's get our starter going into fall camp pretty early. Uh, pretty early on, uh, and then everybody knows moving forward, this is the guy. And so, um, there's some confidence in, in Graham Mertz. Billy Napier likes pointing to the the snap count uh, at Wisconsin, and the question's always going to be, there were a lot of snaps there. Did the Wisconsin offense hold Graham Mertz back? Did Graham Mertz hold the Wisconsin offense back? Uh, and, you know, there's going to be some changes in this Florida offense. He'll be in shotgun a bit more. They'll use play action a bit more. Both of those things, I think, will benefit him. But, look, he's not going from – the Wisconsin offense didn't do him any favors. Don't get me wrong. But Paul Christ has a pretty good reputation of developing quarterbacks. He has that reputation of developing quarterbacks and didn't necessarily do so with Graham Mertz. So what can Billy Napier unlock that Paul Christ couldn't unlock? Is it just a change of scenery? Is it just a change of offense? Now, this offense, as I'm going, you know, this it's not like you're walking into a Lincoln-Riley offense where there's just big change. You know, This is still going to be an offense that relies on the run game, but it's going to be an offense that relies on the run game in some different ways. There's going to be a lot. We saw a ton of play action for this Gator team last year. Graham Mertz excelled in play action. Wisconsin, for whatever reason, barely put him in that situation. So I think, you know, it's still going to be a run-heavy offense like he was used to at Wisconsin. Now, I don't think so predictable as what we saw at Wisconsin. I don't think it's going to be run on first down, run on second down, and then, okay, it's third and seven, third and eight. Go, go, go convert that, by the way. Now, I don't think it's going to be that way. It's going to be a lot of the same you know, concepts, but play call, play call design, uh, when to call certain plays, you know, passing more on first down. As I mentioned, being in the shotgun more, using play action more. So even though it still is a run-heavy offense like Wisconsin was, I still think there's uh, different ways to go about it, and that's kind of what we'll see to you know hopefully unlock the potential of Graham Mertz. But uh, you know, Billy Napier, I heard him uh, also say you know the, the all the snaps that Graham Mertz had under his belt, third-ranked quarterback in his quarterback class. You know, if he was the third-ranked quarterback class as a, as a recruit coming in, we'd be all excited for it. But yeah, granted. It's, it's changed a bit. You know, there's been a few years where we do have some film on him where I think we can at least get to a point where uh, the, the jury is still out on Graham Mertz of what he can be. I, I don't think the book's written yet. Uh, I don't think he's going to come out here and be some great quarterback for Florida. But with the, how this offense is constructed, he doesn't necessarily have to be. Does it have to be? But I think, you know, with this coaching staff, with some you know lessons learned last year, could put him in some really good situations. So, all right, let's keep going on. And one big topic, of course, and this goes back to um, when Billy Napier's hired. Uh, I was fortunate enough to get to ask him the question of how play calling duties would be situated when he was the head coach. And he told us all that 
I'm going to be the offensive coordinator. I'll be the play caller. Uh, and that question was brought up again today. Uh, you know, only one season. I don't think you make any rash, you know, d- decisions on the offense. And I know it's a big point of contention uh, out there. Uh, so we do get asked, uh, or Billy Napier does get asked about, hey, you're the play caller. You know, are you going to continue to call plays? Why do you want to call plays? And then also we'll follow that up with another question posed to him about style of play. There's been kind of a trend with head coaches who were used to being play callers for a long time, turn that over to a coordinator. I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, you're still going to call your own plays. If, if that's the case, well, why do you want to keep doing that? What do you maybe think about the trend of the, the other guys are getting away from that? Yeah, no, I think it's a relevant question. I think uh, it was part of our evaluation, you know, this offseason. Um, you know, I think like most parts of our organization and our process, we will improve in year two. Um, I think it's something that we'll continue to evaluate. I like having my hand on the scripts, the installation, uh, that process. I think I can help uh, establish our identity and personality as a team um, through that process. Um, and I'm always, I think if you get too far away from that, I think that there can be some things from a sustainable, repeatable uh, part. Um, so I'm going to continue to do it. And I think each year, much like all parts of what we do, we'll continue to evaluate. You built your teams for a long time on power football on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, you run for over 200 yards a game this year. Only two games you were kept under 100 yards. Have you refined uh, any sort of processes in terms of how you convert that uh, into more wins because obviously running the ball is a, a key part is there is there anything you want to add so you can turn all the all those all those yards into into more points yeah no I, I think um, you know it's it's a brand of football that we played you know it's got us here you know I do think that uh, when you evaluate our season last year, consistency is what we're seeking, right? And I think it all really comes down to detail and execution um, throughout the game in all parts of our team, right? Not just offense or how we rush the ball, uh, but special teams, defense. Every facet of our team, I think, is uh, taking things to a different level of detail and discipline. You know, now. We're, we, we want to be a tough football team, and I think that a practice environment uh, that's committed to playing complementary football, uh, there's going to be a physical element to your team, not only because you need to rush the ball, but you've got to be able to stop the run. We all understand the importance of that in this league. So um, we, we're evaluating everything that we do each year, each week, uh, and we'll continue to try to put the best product out there this year, uh, much like we have in the past. There you go. Uh, and, of course, he wants to put the best product out there. And look, I, the self-evaluation is going to be very important uh, for Billy Napier. Now, I don't think he's going to be a head coach that digs his head in the sand, puts his feet in the sand at the same time and says, no, I, I'm going to call the plays or else. I, I think there'll come a point. Uh, now, will it be too late by that point? I mean, if it comes to that. I don't know I'm saying it comes to that. But you know, if it comes to the point where the offense is struggling so much, um, that he gives up play calling duties. I mean, I, I still stand by the fact it was not that bad last year. It's made to look worse because of the defense last year. If the defense had been average, I don't think all the criticism for Billy Napier's offense is really out there as much. Uh, you know, Florida didn't lose all those games mainly because of offense. They lost them because of mainly because of defense. Uh, the offense was good enough. Now, is that good enough 
down the road. Is that good enough year after year after year? We'll see. But it was good enough last year, in my opinion, with an average defense. And looking at average defense, probably gets the offense the ball a couple more drives a game uh, last year where maybe they pull some of those close games out. So, you know, I, I think it gets hit too much how maybe he is responsible for the offense last year. Yes, I know Anthony Richardson went high in the NFL draft. Yes, um, he probably didn't live up to the expectation I put on him last year. Is that all on Billy Napier? I'm not saying that in year one. Where there, I'm not even saying he's perfect now. I mean, I, I, there was plenty of criticisms of middle eight of the game, you know, late late first half, early second half, where at times I thought they maybe relied on Anthony Richardson too much, or times I didn't think they relied on him enough, or uh, you know, not sticking with the run game enough, or not running him enough. I think you know, all lessons learned uh, going back to last year. I'm not saying it's all perfect, but I'm not going to use a one year window sample size. And I know people will go back to his Louisiana days too, and not necessarily an offense that stands out uh, as one of the better ones in the country. Uh, but no, I, I think, you know, let him build this team in his image first. And then if he needs to pivot, hopefully it won't be too late by then. Uh, but if he needs to go get a play caller, he'll go get a play caller. But, you know, uh, it, it is going to be interesting, interesting to see how it plays out uh, because of the quarterback position this year and possibly the quarterback position next year uh, of when he may feel the need uh, to go get that. And look, I, I get it. You know, I think we are seeing benefits, um, you know, on the recruiting trail, of course, in the off season, but there is something to be said about the CEO role type of a head coach. You know, is there too much responsibility on his plate, you know, during a season to be the OC, to be the play caller, uh, to still handle recruiting, to still being a head coach of the program? Will he ever feel the need to be in that CEO role and not have to call plays? But he likes it. He wants to keep put the he, he he wants to know the pulse of the team through his interaction and calling plays, being the OC, designing the game plan week in and week out. Uh, that's just how he feels best that he has the pulse of the team. So you know, it's hard to argue with him there. It's worked for him so far. Uh, and I think you know, it's going to bide our time to see if he'll ever feel the need to not call the plays. And then I keep going on in something about the style of play, you know, of course, leaning on the run game and what he is. And he brought up you know, consistency. Uh, and I, I think that's big. You know, we talked about the quarterback consistency a little bit, uh, but he brought up, you know, the, the the attention to detail and where Florida is going to need to get better for this season, and that will translate into consistency. And it is it, it's everywhere. You know, as good as this run game was, it wasn't that good later on in the year, late in the season. Now, uh, you know, it could have been better in the LSU game. And, um, you know, later on in the season, you know, struggled against Vanderbilt. Uh, so um, the bowl game. You know, take that for, for for what it's worth. But there were a couple of times when you know the run game did not have it going last year. Can you get more consistent there? Uh, as far as the defense goes, you know we know about the consistency there. You know, can you get better on third down? Is that uh, one more facet of this defense that just kind of continued from the last regime to Patrick Tony last year? Can you find consistency uh, to to be there? But kind of extending the defense, but also to the whole whole team, you, know, you had it kind of rolling. You, you, you lost to Georgia, we kind of all expected, but we went into that November saying, okay, you got some winnable games here. You know, can you finish November 4-0? You started 2-0, and you end up 2-2. There's a level of consistency just in that last month of the season, just in that last game of the season versus Florida State. But you had it rolling. You beat Texas A&M. You pound South Carolina. And then a week later, you go lose to Vanderbilt, an inexcusable loss there. But you, you go give FSU all they could handle. But in that game itself, 
find yourself you you find the inconsistency that had just plagued Florida all year long. So you know, there's a lot of levels to consistency. You can look at it at the quarterback. You can look at it in the run game. You can look at it in the defense. You can look at it just as the season as a whole and how it played out. It was peaks and valleys. It was a roller coaster. We talked about it last year, but that's what Billy Napier is looking at. When you're looking for consistency, you at least see potential there. And we saw potential from that Gator team last year. And that's kind of, you know, it, it, it still blows my mind how you, you had all the good feeling after the AM win and then beating South Carolina. And then for whatever reason, it was South Carolina who had the upward trend after that game and beating Tennessee and beating Clemson. And Florida loses to Vanderbilt. It just didn't make any sense. And I've said over and over again year ones can be weird. I didn't think it would be that weird. If you would have told me Florida beats, I mean, before the season starts last year, uh, Florida's going to beat Texas A&M, then they're going to pound South Carolina, but South Carolina's going to go on to beat Tennessee and Clemson. For Florida, I'd have been like, okay, well, Florida's definitely not losing to Vanderbilt. They're probably going to beat Florida State. It's just not how it played out. Not how it played out at all. So uh, looking for that level of consistency. Looking for that level of consistency. Uh, Nathaniel Rogers brings up a good point. Maybe something that goes into that. Um, last year's problem, to me, people trying to play hero ball. Absolutely. Uh, and I, we'll go into some player talk right there, but you know, there's a buy-in. There, there's a buy-in this year uh, when you look at it. So, um, yeah, John Wilcox saying defense able to stop anyone would have resulted in more possessions, possibly more scores. Exactly. That's how I say it. It's not just the defense being better. If your defense is better, you're getting off the field on third down. Hey, guess what? Anthony Richardson gets the ball in his hand one more time. Two more times. Well, and what's going to happen in those games that's a one-possession game? I feel pretty good about Florida probably pulling those out. So, yeah, a better defense just really, really, it's complimentary football. As Billy Napier said, where can we get better in complimentary football? That, that's where. That is where. Better defense, get your ball, get your offense to ball just a bit more. All right, let's keep it going. And some more from Billy Napier. Uh, the biggest he was asked about the biggest change coming from the group of five. Uh, I thought it was the, his his the question. Okay, you know he's going to learn a lot in year one in the SEC. Uh, and the question I didn't think we get you know the response. The response is what made me include it here. I like what Billy Napier says here, uh, but also extending that to the transfer portal. You talked about coming back into the league after a couple of years off. Hugh Freeze returning to the SEC this year as well after coaching at Liberty. Uh, the biggest differences between coaching at the group of five level uh, nowadays in college football versus coaching in the SEC? Yeah, pace of the, the recruiting calendar relative to early signing period and the pace, the sped up evaluation and recruitment process. That's number one, without a doubt. Uh, so... That's where we've had to adjust, you know, year one to year two. And, and look, I do think we made um, changes in our workflow. Um, I think that every, we've been able to retain our people, and I think that we have – it's leading to results, right? So um, we've hired really well. We've got a lot of really smart, talented people, some older veterans with wisdom, and then we've got some really young, bright future up-and-comers as well. So – I think that's number one on the list. Now, you throw NIL, you throw portal, uh, those are new variables in the game. Uh, and certainly the combination of those last two creates issues. So 
Uh, three big takeaways year one. Those are the three things. Um, we've come up with really good systems for the final two, and I think we've adjusted in terms of workflow and job descriptions for recruiting. You've talked quite a bit about the portal, and that leads into chemistry, team chemistry. I know it changes from year to year. Does it, the portal make it difficult to re read the chemistry of your team? And where do you think that your team chemistry is coming out of spring? You know, much like I described earlier, I think one of the things that we benefited from is that, you know, 90 plus percent of our team has been there since January. We had 27 mid-year players. We did minimal work in the spring portal. But, you know, I think it's a reality in college football right now, especially in the earlier stages of building a program. You're going to have to do work in the portal. Now, again, we want to continue to recruit the best high school players in the country and establish some stability from a roster management standpoint and do less work in the portal in the future, right? But uh, there's no question it's an avenue to acquire a player. Uh, there is a chemistry dynamic, and I think you got to be intentional about all parts of building the team uh, and that connection that, and that uh, togetherness that's required become even more important. Uh, so I think you've got to be intentional in terms of the off-season program, uh, the things you do throughout the spring semester, the summer training camp, uh, and even in season to create those relationships uh, some of which can be in a short window of time. It's a great question. There we go. A lot to unpack there a, a bit in that jump from group of five to power five. And he said, look, it's the recruiting process. It's the recruiting calendar. You know, you have to be, you have to be doing it all the time, recruiting all the time. There's no recruiting season. Uh, there, when you when you, when you get to this level of football, uh, and I think we're seeing it. That was something they had to learn, you know. And you know, building relationships, of course, that's going to go a long way in it. You know, you're going to see, and we're seeing it now, the relationship building over the last year and a half that Billy Napier's been doing. It's paying off, but also, you know, figuring out, you know, what coaches fit best where, and and how to and how to go about recruiting. That's what they had to figure out. And we're we're seeing it. I think they figured it out uh, a good bit <laughs> right here with, with what we're seeing in this recruiting, but uh, with with this 2024 recruiting class. But as he said, you know, that was something that was the the biggest the biggest change uh, of you know putting it together at this level uh, to to go and recruit. But being asked about the transfer portal as well and i thought it was you know interesting interesting for him to come out and say eventually we want to get to a point where we don't have to do that as much and it, look it makes sense if you recruit at a certain level at the high school level you're going to have those athletes and if you build that culture you build that winning culture you build that culture that guys just want to be in you know first of all build a culture they want to be in regardless if they're winning or losing uh and that's just something that you're going to have to battle with uh, each and every year, if you're not winning, can you keep your players? Can you keep your better players? While the record may not be there, can you keep your better players from getting poached from other schools? Can you create that culture where they want to stay and build it? I think you know something that maybe you know, if the season doesn't go the way we want it to, you know, is that something they're going to have to fight? I think the culture Billy Napier is building a bit will keep guys from wanting to go. And the NIL Florida is building from wanting, you know, he mentioned that aspect of it too, from wanting to go elsewhere. You know, that's just what you have to build. That's what you need time to build. That's not going to be instant. Uh, but if it's done right, you can see some benefits in this timeline that we're seeing it in, and we're certainly doing so. But eventually, you know, him admitting, okay, 
we want to get to a point where we don't have to use uh, the portal of much. And, and I think if there's one criticism, I think some of us has had is this been the portal process uh, for Billy Napier. And that's not to say he doesn't get good players in the portal, but you know, they're intentional on purpose. Their process is to be so intentional, check every box, make sure these guys are right fits. And that might take more time. And that time may make it where Florida is going to miss out on, on some transfers. Uh, and I think we, we saw that. I think we saw it play out that way for a few guys this last cycle. Uh, but he's, he's not going to change that. He's not going to change that process of it. Uh, they're, they're, those guys are going to have to check the boxes because, as he said, you know, those guys have to fit in. You know, they went to somewhere else before they came to Florida. They're used to another school. They're used to another culture. They're used to another way of doing things. Can they change who they are? Do they need to change who they are? And if they do, can you make that fit? Or, you know, do you do enough research to say, yeah, that, that's the kind of player we want along this team? And that might take time. Now, and that time may hurt Florida in the end. They're going to get the good guys. They're going to get some good guys. But it may, you know, if the timeline is not where some players want it to be, it may cause Florida uh, to miss out. But Billy Napier is not going to sacrifice that to not get the type of person. Never mind player, the type of person he wants in this program. All right, one more from Billy Napier just because, hey, we are not that far. Guys, we are not that far from kickoff. Thursday night, week one, 8 p.m., Florida travels to Utah. Billy Napier asked about that trip. The Utah Utes have not lost at Rice-Eccles uh, since COVID. Um, I was wondering uh, what y'all are going to do to prepare for that game and also if the altitude is a factor as well in the preparation. You know, one of the things that, you know, we've got a unique uh, schedule this year, uh, and that starts with a Thursday night opener at Utah, and it's a challenging place to play. You know, I spent a year in the Pac-12 I uh, was at Arizona State. We actually went there to play, so have a little bit of a feel for what that's going to be like. But we've got a ton of, ton of respect for their program, the brand of football that they play. Uh, it's, it's less about where we're playing and more about their brand of football. So um, there's no question they're one of the more established and successful programs in the country. You know, I do think we've spent a lot of time with our performance team in the offseason researching the altitude. We've done a lot of work with NFL teams that go through that process consistently. Uh, we've got a good plan. All of that's already mapped out and ready to go. So uh, it's going to be a great challenge and one that we look forward to. There you go. You, you heard it. They already have a plan that's been worked on about, uh, of course, they, they, they're they going to train their bodies for what it needs to be to go into that higher altitude and go play Utah we, you know, we saw that weather hit Utah a bit last year. You had well, one of their guys throw it up on the field early, uh, early on in the game. But look, as that game played out, you know, they were in that game until the very last plays of the game before Amari Bernie intercepts that pass. So you know, th th they still found themselves in the game. You know, Florida's going to be the same way. And I like Billy Napier saying, hey, we talked to NFL teams. I mean, it's, it's kind of like, hey, like the Jaguars going to go play the Broncos. I mean, there's plenty of research. There's plenty of ways to do this. It's not great anything new. Uh, you know, can you train for however so long that you need to, or can you do some little things that you know will help Florida uh, along the way to get ready for that big game versus Utah uh, coming up? And I mean, look, I'm glad he said it. You know, we're we're not playing the atmosphere; we're worried about the team. You know, Utah is a good team, uh, and we found that out last year. You know, Florida gets that big win. Utah goes on to have a really really good season uh, th throughout the Pac-12. Cam Rising, you know, we'll see if he plays or not. 
uh, but a good quarterback. You know, will he be as mobile as we saw in that time last year uh, versus Florida, where you know late in the game he makes some big runs to really hurt this defense? And what does Austin Armstrong uh, play at this Utah team? It's mainly going to be the same defense Utah has seen, uh, but a little more aggressive. There'll be some changes there. You know, Utah's not going to change too much. We know what they're going to do. Cam Rising's the quarterback. Brent Keithy comes back at tight end. They're going to want to play a physical style of football uh, on defense. They're very, very strong up front. And there's not going to be surprises from Utah towards Florida. Um, I think Florida still has an element of surprise, you know, with the change of quarterback, of course. Uh, plenty of time to get in that. But, uh, yeah, big, big game. All the eyeballs are going to be on Florida in Utah week one. Uh, but it is a chance. It is a chance for Florida once again uh, to, you know, silence some doubters. That's kind of the theme right here. And you get to try you get to try and do it week one right away. That's not Cupcake City to open up the season. So if you're going to silence some doubters, you can do so in week one. Now you got to continue it. We'll talk about that consistency there. You know, you got to keep it going. If you beat Utah this time, have that translate into a lot more wins in the season. Have that win mean a little bit more than it did last year, but get to do it one more time. I guess a big-time opponent out there in Salt Lake City to open up the season. There we go. Some good stuff from Billy Napier uh, right there. The Gators head man. Just some, you know, what kind of caught my ear, caught my eyes right there from SEC Media Days right there in Nashville. So, all right, let's get through some – well, let's hear from some players. Uh, the players that took the trip, Ricky Pearsall. Kingsley Aguacan, Jason Marshall, and we'll get it started right here. Um, you know, all the guys are just buying into, you know, the, the program that he has set for us. Um, you know, Co Coach Napier is just a really respectable guy. Um, and just having another year under him, you know, he's learning us as much as we're still learning him, you know. And just, you know, making sure that we trust everything he's got for us and going out there and execute. You sense there are more building blocks in place there were time, this time a year ago? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just having another year of him learning about us, you know, he's going to change up his, you know, regimen just based on, you know, how the guys respond to certain things. Obviously, he's amped up more and more going on to year two, but all the guys are bought in. On the left side, back row. Dan Peck, ESPN 106.7 in Auburn. Hugh Freeze returning to the SEC after spending some time at the Group of Five level. Coach Napier came to the SEC uh, from the Group of Five, uh, spent that first year, and, and now he's in his second year. Uh, any, anything you've noticed difference-wise, anything in, in his demeanor? Uh, as, as he Is he more comfortable in, in his second year, as far as you can tell? Yeah, I mean, I think he's he's just a really consistent human in general. So I think there hasn't been like too much change about comfortability, but you know, it's he has a different level of motivation for sure going on to his second year. So I think you know, as much as like we're hungry to go on to our second year, I think he is as well. What can you tell us about the quarterback that transferred from Wisconsin? Yeah, and then how about the difference in playing in the Pac-12 versus the SEC? Okay. So Graham Mertz, he's, you know, he's a tremendous human. I think first and foremost, I wanted to address that. He's got a really good head on his shoulders. Um, he's a super intelligent human. You know, his football IQ stands out to me the most. Um, just the way he sees coverages, and I feel like that's from his experience. Um, and then just getting to develop a relationship with him has been extremely important for us as, you know, a quarterback and receiver duo. Um, but, you know, he's also my friend outside the field, too. So, you know, we actually just went to the beach this last weekend to say Augustine to, you know, throw on the beach. So, you know, just doing things like that with him. 
front row. Uh, Chris Farblin. Uh, uh, Chris Farblin, KCLU 81FM. Uh, so, of course, Anthony Richardson leaving for the NFL draft. You got a couple of transit quarterbacks. You got Graham Mertz, who uh, came in from Wisconsin, and Jack Miller, who previously came in from Ohio State. Two guys that Gator fans really haven't seen much of in this offense. Uh, getting to work with both of them, but what can you tell fans, just everyone in general, uh, what should they expect from Mertz or Miller come the fall? Yeah, I mean, I feel like they're both really talented humans, you know. They're both really good people. Um, they both see the field very well and both have really good arms. Um, I mean, obviously, Graham has his experience back behind him. Um, Jack had that one game last year, obviously. Um, but, you know, just creating that level of um, competitiveness with the, between the two is going to really benefit them. And, you know, then at the end of the day, we're going to see, you know, who rises to the top. And we're just putting our trust in the Coach Napier to make the right decision. So I don't think we can really go wrong. Back row. What would you tell a transfer coming into the SEC from another conference now that you've uh, got to spend a year in the SEC after starting your career at Arizona State? Yeah, just to get ready to play the best of the best. I mean, that's the reason why I came here, you know. Um, I wanted to play against the best of the best every single snap, and the SEC is that conference to do that. So I think that's the one thing I would tell them. And then also to get ready for, you know, the traditions and the histories that lie in the SEC as well. You know, I think that was a big thing that stood out to me and I was excited for. And then obviously the, the fans behind it. Your teammates uh, mentioned buy-in as something that feels a little bit different this offseason as opposed to last offseason? Is, is that something that comes through on the offense? And, and, what, and what does that really mean to say that everybody's bought in? Yeah, I mean, buying in just to the program and to the regimen that, you know, Coach Napier has set for us. And honestly, buying into your teammates as well, you know, being able to trust each other. Um, when we're out there on that field and adversity hits, you know, we we only going to look at each other in the eyes, you know, and there's no coaches out there that are going to help us, nobody else. We just have each other. So being able to buy into each other and continue and develop those relationships with one another, you should know every person in the locker room when you go out there and you play your game. So, you know, just coming together stronger and playing as a unit is going to be very very important for us moving forward. Sometimes coaches have a message to their players for the season. Is there a message the players are having internally among themselves? Yeah, I mean, just to prove everybody wrong. I mean, I feel like we do a good job of not really listening to everything. Um, but I think we want it for ourselves. I think being self-motivated is really important for us as a team. And we want this more than anybody else wants it for us. So I think that's something that we just got to keep reminding each other and keeping a really good uh, mindset and perspective on things. Left side. What can you tell us about the uh, What can you tell us about the rest of the wide receiver room this year? Yeah, I mean, I think we have a really dangerous group. You know, all these young guys that came in, they're extremely talented. We already had a talented room even without them, but now that just adds on to our talent, makes us even more stronger in there. I think all the young guys are going to come in and make impacts um, going on to this season. Um, you got guys like Andy, you got guys like Trey and Aiden. They're all extremely talented in their own ways. So just, you know, being a leader of the group, just to take them under my wing and make sure they're handling their business like a pro every single day. There we go, Ricky Pearsall, speaking to the media right there in Nashville. And, hey, roles. That's what we're going to talk about here for Ricky Pearsall. And, first of all, the role is a leader. I mean, he had to come back this year. You know, there was some question whether he would or not. And, granted, I don't know how high he would have got drafted in the NFL. So, coming back was probably the better move anyway. Now, look, I'm sure, you know, he came in last year, um, had a really close relationship with Anthony Richardson that you know, maybe he thought he'd go off to the NFL after one season. But he comes back to Florida, has developed a great relationship with Graham Mertz and, and the quarterbacks as well. You heard him talk about that. They're 
throwing St. Augustine <laughs> on the beach there. Uh, so you know, it lets you know that you got to have a, a relationship there with your quarterback. But he's got the role of a leader now. Uh, when he decided to come back, he's the guy that has to lead that wide receiver room. Given all his experience at Arizona State, given that experience last year, but we got to remember he came in late as a transfer last year and then got injured in fall camp, and you know we wondered if he would even play game one versus Utah last year, and he is he's out there on the field. Uh, but you know now this year he's got a much larger role when he comes in to this fall instead of trying to figure everything out as a transfer and trying to figure out everything out, you know your 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 rapport with your quarterback and figuring out the offense. Now you're the leader. You're the one all these young receivers we're so excited about are going to look to. So, you know, if his play, you know, and now these freshmen, if they can go out there and kind of prove themselves, well, one more role we'll start talking about is Ricky Pearsall, the outside receiver. You know, if these young receivers, you know, like a Eugene Wilson and Andy Gene can find themselves in the slot, then we're going to find Ricky Pearsall playing some outside receiver. I think they're going to move him around. They're going to find some matchups for him. As we go through the weeks and you know, they identify through game plan that, okay, maybe inside he's a bigger – this game he's a, he's a bigger weapon. Or maybe this game he's a bigger weapon outside. But that's really kind of going to be dependent on can they find more bodies to play inside when you start looking at the young receivers. Because so, go back, the, the, the more established receivers on this roster are the big-bodied side, not your necessarily slot guys. But Ricky Persaud can move around. You get some – there's freshmen that I mentioned that can slide inside. That's going to allow Ricky Pearsall to play outside and maybe cause some mismatch problems for some defense. We saw it late in the season versus FSU where he had his best game of the season. Him and AR on fire in the first half of that game. So, um, you know, there was uh, – they worked on it in the spring. You know, he's in there saying uh, he barely played in the slot this spring for the spring game for a reason. You know, they're trying to work him in there, trying to find ways to get Ricky Pearsall the ball in his hands. Uh, and so you know, last year there were – you go back and look at his Arizona State tape, there were a lot of catch and runs. There wasn't so you – know, he was more of a downfield uh, receiver last year, not many catching screens and going the distance, not really catching slants and going the distance. It was a little you know, downfield passing uh, that, that, that we saw from him last year. So I think, you know, can you get the ball in his hands and let him make plays after the catch? I think, you know, it's kind of something I'll be looking for more this year uh, for Mickey Pearsall and, you know, how this offense is designed uh, to kind of get him the ball uh, in that. So versatile player right here, uh, Ricky Pearsall, but uh, also the role now of a punt returner. We saw it a tiny, tiny bit last year. Um, but no, now you start looking at it, and it got me thinking. Ricky Pearsall was punt returner. And it looks like we're going to have ETN as kick returner. So two of your better, if not best, playmakers on offense are going to be your return specialist. So now, okay, it does ramp up the injury risk just a little bit. But you got to find ways to get yards. you got to find ways to get points. Now, if you can identify somebody else along the way where – Maybe these guys aren't doing it all the time. Okay, then then I can see it, but I'm excited for the possibility of Ricky Pearsall being the punt returner. I'm really excited about ETM being the kick returner. He showed me a lot last year uh, when he was able to come in as a kick returner uh, and, and really just make a difference uh, that we hadn't seen in quite some time from that spot as a kick returner. So two of your better playmakers are going to be return specialists. And look, we saw it. We, we saw it with Urban. Urban used to do it. If you're a starter, you know, you, those guys wanted to play special teams. It was fun to play special teams under Urban Meyer. Well, you know, maybe Billy Napier's onto something here by getting Ricky Pearsall, ETN as your return specialist 
uh, there. But kind of, I'm eager to see how you know, he steps up as a leader, how he leads uh, this wide receiver group. And you know, Marcus Burke, Caleb Douglas going along, Jaquavion Frazier's as your you know bigger body. Um, experienced receivers a bit, and then that group group of freshmen we're all so excited to see uh, r- r- right now. And Ricky Pearsall is going to have to help those guys along the way uh, as this leader and through his production uh, get those guys on the field a bit. So really excited for that wide receiver group led by Ricky Pearsall uh, right here. So uh, let's keep it going. Uh, go to Kingsley Aguakin, and I hope the soundbite plays right for whatever on my screen is grayed out, so uh, I haven't seen that before, but it might be because of the – it might be because of where my transition is, but uh, I think I just figured it out. Uh, so I don't think there's anything to worry about. But here's Kingsley Aguakin discussing himself, Coach Napier, and these Gators up in Nashville, SEC Media Days. It's Coach Napier's second year mm. at Florida. Have you noticed any changes in him? Does he seem uh, more comfortable or anything like that as, as far as you know, get, getting into his second year as, as your coach? Uh, yeah, Coach Napier, I think, I mean, I think it was pretty comfortable last year. I think the main difference is everybody's bought in. There's no wavering minds. There's no guys thinking, what about this? What about that? Trying to see if the grass is greener on the other side. I think everybody's completely bought in and trusts what Coach Napier has in place for us. And everybody wants to win and everybody wants to do things the right way. It seemed like much of the offense last year was, was dictated around Anthony. Mm-hmm. Now the team moves on without him. What do you think the identity of the Florida offense will be in 2023? Um, I think Coach Napier has a great plan in place for the team and what he wants us to be. I think whatever he asks us to do, we're able to do, and I think we have the the firepower to do that. Um, it's just going to be ultimately about guys buying in and knowing who we are and why we're here. How is year two different so far from Coach Napier than the first year? Um, I think everybody kind of has an idea of what we, what the plan is for our team and what Coach Napier, the the look he wants for our team, and everybody kind of just knows what it's going to take and already has an idea of what the program is. Front row. What personal goals do you have set for yourself this season? Um, I got a lot of personal goals, but we can start with the, we want to win the SEC East. Uh, obviously, I want to win the Remington Award. I want to get drafted high, all that good stuff. But my main personal goal is that I want to win games. Like, that's bottom line. I, I don't like losing. I really hate losing more than I like winning, to be honest with you. I just want to win games. Like, if none of that other stuff comes, but we go win all our games, I'm a happy camper. So you were at Florida under Dan Mullen, and even after – the change from Mullen to Napier, you chose to stay with the Gators. Mm-hmm. Uh, even with the opportunity in the transfer portal and, and the coaching change, what ultimately went your decision to remain a Gator and, and remain and play for Billy Napier? Um, so, like I said, my family kind of been Gators forever. And I mean, I committed to the university and I, I love the University of Florida. I've been there my whole time, like you said, and I've built some great relationships and been able to kind of experience some great things out there. And it never really crossed my mind to leave. Like, I ain't really seen no reason to leave because I've built something here already. I kind of, I'm the leader of the team. And I think that I have a good kind of say in, like, how, how the team kind of approaches things. And, yeah. What are your favorite things about playing uh, home games in the Swamp? And, and is there anything from, like, your first time in that stadium that stands out? Uh, I think just the atmosphere of game day in Gainesville 
and you know 90,000 people out there screaming at the top of their lungs it's, it's, it's different for sure but um, you kind of just feel the love from all the fans from Gator Walk to leaving the hotel everybody's just standing lined up wanting to autograph wanting to shake your hand wanting to say hi so I mean the swamp is, is like I said it's a different type of place to play but um, the love from the fans is probably the biggest thing about the swamp that I like playing at home who do you think will be your most challenging opponent this upcoming season, and which game are you looking forward to the most? Uh, most challenging opponent, who do I think? Uh, you know, I don't, I don't really know who the most challenging opponent would be, to be honest. I know everybody works pretty hard, but I can tell you who I'm most excited to play is FSU. Uh, I don't like those guys at all, so I'm, I'm excited to go get after them for sure. There you go. You hear it from Kingsley. He don't like FSU much. Does does not like. And look, you you probably get that. You know, uh, as he said, family's a Gator. He grew up in Jacksonville, uh, and more than likely, you grew up in Jacksonville. Your biggest rival is going to be Georgia, just because the games here, or Florida State because of the in-state school. Much like it is for us as fans. Uh, but yeah, Queens Kingsley, not uh, not 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 big fans of the Seminoles. And look, we probably can answer the question for him. The toughest opponent for Florida is going to be Georgia. So, uh, but uh, yeah, I think he's. Uh, being a little bit of sportsman, playing a little bit of sportsmanship there. Everybody, everybody's doing work, as he says. But um, I'd, uh, you gotta gotta like his feelings toward the school out west uh, a little bit. But I want to go back to something he said. You know, where maybe Tim teammates will not be thinking grass is greener, uh, and maybe thinking too deep into that. But with the way I take it is, look, guys who wanted to go on to the NFL. Uh, guys who we saw the mass exodus of the transfer portal for the Gators after the season, and maybe guys had their eyes on something else. Uh, and, uh, you know, sadly, it's, it's weird how it played out. As I go back earlier in the episode, you know, late in the season, you get two big wins right there in November versus A&M and South Carolina. You know, you should have been able to ride some momentum. Guys should have been invested more than ever. But it didn't seem that way. It didn't play out that way, you know. And I think after the season, we started hearing about you know guys, uh, you know, in maybe in year one of Billy Napier, not season not going the way some people thought. Maybe they're not getting the playing time they want. Maybe uh, some other things are going on to where you know they had their mind made up before the season's over, had their eyes somewhere else of trying to go make their next situation. Uh, and maybe maybe that played some part into the, the, the late season collapse there uh, for the Gators. And it kind of extends to him about staying, staying through the coaching change uh, there for, for, for him and uh, from Mullen to uh, Napier. And look, I think Kings would be the first one to tell you that he thought he probably could have played better last year. Uh, I look for him to take a huge step last year going from, he had a really good season two years ago. Uh, I, th- I thought there was an, another level to get. I don't know if he quite hit that level last year. I uh, had some, you know what he would, you know, I think would admit some inexcusable penalties uh, last year and some key moments for Florida. Um, his play was okay. I, I think you know there's another level there, but you know, just some of the decisions he made uh, throughout the season. You know, try and be a little more consistent on, on that. Don't cost your teammates there uh, with, with with some costly penalties, um, selfless penalties uh, right there. He got a little frustrated at times. Uh, I, I thought last year, but it's certainly going to be a leader. Uh, on this offensive line to go along with Austin Barber. Uh, and, 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 you know, those two guys who played a whole lot of snaps last year uh, in, in this offense, Osiris Torrance gone. You had a slew of transfers uh, out as well. 
um, Tarquin, Braun, uh, no longer um, you know, part of his team, Ethan White as well. Uh, he comes back as that leader in, in the center role. Uh, so I think Kingsley Guacan is going to you know, really be a rock uh, up front for this Florida Gator uh, offensive line. And we'll get into that in just a second before I do sign off on this episode about the injuries. Uh, Billy Napier did update us on uh, an offensive line, a big, big feature of that. So uh, let's wrap it up as far as some um, thoughts from players. And a man, a few words <laughs> is one Jason Marshall, uh, at least the part that I could see uh, and that I have for you here. Uh, not, uh, not very talkative uh, in, in front of the camera, but here's a little bit from Jason Marshall. Is there any difference that you see this year with Coach Napier uh, from, from last year, his first year? Uh, just the way everybody uh, bought into the program this year. Um, like I said, everybody's bought in, and it's going to be a big change. What are you trying to do to help get Florida the recognition? Maybe you guys feel like you deserve at this point. You guys want to come from the back to the front and maybe surprise some people. Uh, just leading, you know, being a leader to all the young guys that came in, setting the example. And it's really nothing much to it, you know, just leading and things like that. What are you looking most forward to this season with your team? Just to shock the world, you know, it's a lot of doubt. Um, we're coming in with a chip on our shoulder. That's pretty much it. You guys bring a new defensive coordinator. Is your Austin Armstrong viewed as a young and up and coming defensive mind in the sport? I just want to ask, uh, what have you guys been doing? Is there anything you guys have been doing differently in Armstrong, and how should we expect the defense to look different than it has in years past? There hasn't been anything different. Just the energy that he brings, uh, the way he carries himself, and you can see how it's contributing and it's contagious to everybody to uplift the energy and uplift the play. You've got Utah week one again, just like last season. That was a big win for y'all last year. How important is it to come out of there with a win again and set the tone for the rest of the season? It's very important. Um, like you said, we won last year. And to continue with this year, it'll be very important. And, you know, to start off our season is very helpful. What do you say about the swamp to people who have never been there before? And what are some of your favorite things about playing in Gainesville? Just how loud it gets, you know, how the fans are very in tune into the game. Um, they help us, you know, and only Gator get out alive, so. Here we go, Jason Marshall talking to the media up there in Nashville. And, hey, shock the world. Uh, and that's just kind of uh, where he wants to go with it. As we know, it's talking season, but this is what you want your players to say. I mean, if, if they're ticked off about – you know, the expectations people were placing on them, you know, I expect them to go to SEC media days and say, hey, we're, we're going to shock the world. We're going to surprise some people. We're going to win more games than people are giving us credit for. We're going to be a better team than people are giving us credit for. So, uh, you know, not, not shying away from it, not saying, you know, we'll see or anything like that. They you know, truly believe uh, they're there to, to express uh, that, hey, we're, we feel like we're being disrespected. Uh, a little bit, and we're going to go shock the world. So Jason Marshall going out there, and just I'm, I'm excited to see him. Uh, I'm excited to see the growth that he can make. I know uh, in, in some other articles out there, he was saying you know where he wants to get better. He wants to get better in zone coverage. Wants to get better in cover three, and you know the things that he needs to learn. Like we know he's a good cover corner, a, a good man cover corner. Uh, but you know maybe all around game, you play zone coverage a bit better. But you know hopefully with Corey Raymond taking over in the secondary when it calls for it. Be a little more man coverage to take advantage of Jason Marshall's game, uh, but you know maybe do take a 
step up in what he can do in zone coverage and, and cover three and, and other aspects of, of his game out there. But I mean, no, he's going to be, a, he's projected as, as a first round pick in, in some, in some uh, mock drafts there. I'm sure that's coming his way. Uh, he's probably hearing about that uh, a bit and he's going to have to elevate his play. I think to get there, I, he has that potential, has that five-star potential coming out of high school, highly rated recruit, a lot of experience in his first two years at Florida. You know, it's time to take the next game, time to take his game to that next level. If he's going to be uh, that, that, that first round pick there. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm eager to see uh, he's, he's certainly cornerback one for Florida. Um, and you know what we're seeing. Yeah. But uh, what he wanted to improve on, he said, just reading overall coverages, cover three drops, reading the zones, things like that route concepts uh, on off season improvements, you know, things that I struggled with last year, just knocking those off the checklist and everything else will play out from there. Uh, so you know, back there, year two with Corey Raymond probably should not be overlooked. I mean, not just not just year two overall, year two with Corey Raymond and his reputation. So, you know, what kind of lead? They're, 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 to me, there's still a, a level for Jason Marshall. I think we'll all admit that. I think we know he can be good. I think we know he can be better. And that's not a knock on him. But there is another level I think we think he can get to. Uh, when, when you start looking at it, so you know to go along, you know Jalen Kimber. I heard I was hearing some good things about Kimber uh, coming out of spring there. Uh, now you know Jaden Hill maybe moving to nickel. Uh, is Kimber in line for that second cornerback spot opposite Jason Marshall? Is it Devin Moore who, well, as we'll, we'll, we'll kind of transition through the injuries here in just a bit. Who Billy Napier says he's cleared, he's ready to go, along with Derek Wingo uh, on that defense. But, you know, as we stay in the secondary a bit, um, Devin Moore uh, coming up and somebody who was garnering a lot of attention coming out of fall camp last year. He's in some very clutch moments versus Utah in game one, gets dinged up long, not long after that, and misses a whole lot of time uh, there, was kind of very, very limited in spring, uh, limited on purpose because they want him on the field this fall camp. They want to get him on the field. So I'm still very, very interested in that second cornerback spot and how that rotation is going to work out opposite Jason Marshall, you know, Jalen Kimber, Devin Moore uh, there. We'll see where Jakeem Jackson maybe fits in at some point as well. Uh, but I'm, I'm eager to see you know, how his leadership pays off, his experience pays off in that year two of experience there with Corey Raymond leading the charge on the back end. So, all right, so let's get through some, a little bit of news and notes here. And let's see. Yeah, I lost it. But kind of going back to it here, going to the injuries, just mentioned Devin Moore, Derek Wingo. Those guys have been cleared. Uh, we'll see them right there. And I, I actually, I, I talked to Derek not long ago. I guess it was uh, about a month and a half ago. And it was one of the first things I asked him when I saw him. Uh, and this was, let's see. Mid-June? No, mid-May. Mid-May, I was talking, and he was clear then. So it wasn't long after spring camp I, I had heard that he was cleared, uh, but that was the first time I saw him in person was in, in mid-May. Talked to him for a few minutes, uh, and he was cleared, ready to go. Uh, they're adding to you know a linebacker core that's going to feature Shamar James, Taraja Mitchell, Manny Nunnery, Scooby Williams. I mean, what's it kind of like up front for the Gators? Yeah, you lost some pieces, but you might be, because of some transfers, because of some second-year experience, might be a little bit deeper. Uh, so, you know, look, Derek Wingo, for, for Derek Wingo, it's got to be this year. If we're going to see the production that we expect to see as a recruit, if he's going to be a contributor, it's, it's got to be this year. It's got to be this year. So hopefully he's healthy, ready to go, played. I mean, credit to him late last season for playing injured. 
Um, that FSU game, he was injured. A lot of people didn't know that uh, playing in that game. But then we actually see it on display versus Oregon State. Almost every tackle, he, he's out there giving it his all, out there making tackles. But you can see him struggling with injuries and not wanting to come off the field. Uh, so you know, I'll never question Derek Wingo's heart. I'll never question Derek Wingo's want to. And I hope that translates on the field uh, this fall. But he's healthy, ready to go, building up that depth. Uh, along there for the Gators. But of course, then we got to move up front to offensive line and all the injury concerns that we had there out of spring practice. Uh, Micah Mazuka, of course, was injured during spring practice. Um, he's nearing of uh, full participation. Uh, he'll be probably limited to start with, but Billy Napier um, did mention that he'll be nearing. He probably won't start full camp, full clear, but they do. He, he should be on schedule to be able to go play game one fully healthy. Hopefully he can get through all these reps in fall camp. Uh, but Micah Mazuka, uh, the transfer from Baylor, should be should be close to ready to go when fall camp starts um, there. So return to play protocol, he's there, uh, but not completely cleared uh, for, for Mazuka. So there we go. Uh, kind of an uh, update as far as... Um, the transfer goes, but then Cam Waits, the other transfer from a year before, uh, of course, from Louisiana, from Billy Napier, six foot eight, 364 pounds, you know, tore his uh, Achilles. He may actually get some snaps this year. Uh, now, it will not be early on in the season. Uh, Billy Napier did say he's doing well. We anticipate him being available at some point during the season. Really pleased with that. I think he's ahead of schedule a little bit. That process has went really well, Napier said at SEC Media Days. Again, we think he's a guy who has a bright future. Hopefully, we get him in position to where he can make some, uh, get some reps uh, there at the end of the season. So, a little bit of an update as far as injuries go for these Florida Gators. And I'm trying to see if that was it as far as injuries go. Um, I think there was one more, right? Uh, let's see. Jalen Farmer, that was it. I knew there was another offensive lineman. Jalen Farmer uh, should be on his way back as well along this offensive line, uh, backing up Osiris Torrance last year. Uh, but he was non-contact this spring with an arm injury. Napier said he's doing awesome. He's added lean mass, which is unique coming off of surgery. That tells me a whole lot right there. Unique. He's added lean mass, which is unique coming off of surgery. That means he's putting in all the work he possibly can, even while being injured. Got that mindset that, hey, even though I'm injured, I'm still going to go out there and do what I can to make sure I'm ready to go when fall camp rolls around. So kudos right there for Jalen Farmer. I think somebody we're going to uh, you'll be looking at as a, a piece to compete right there along that offensive line. But that tells me a lot right there that Napier's saying, you know, that's, that's pretty unique. Something that he did while injured, that's unique coming off of surgery. So there you go, buy-in. And all these, we heard every player talk about it right now. There's a certain level of buy-in from this team. And what, and what does that mean for a win total? I, I don't know. I, I mean, we'll, we'll see how this, what this team plays. I, I, think, I don't think we'll question this team as far as want to. I don't think we'll question this team as far as um, going out there and, and giving it their all. I don't think we'll question that whatsoever. I think there is going to be buy-in. What does that mean number-wise for wins? 
it's just it's wait and see. I hate to take the easy way out. You, you can't quantify that. You can quantify in, in ways you you know that okay, it probably means far as going to be in a lot of games. But you know, there's certain bounces of the ball. There's certain decisions that got to be made along the way as well. But I feel pretty comfortable, much like last year, that you know Florida, you know, going to be in these games. But if that buy-in is there just a bit more, maybe all these close games, maybe some of them turn into wins. Maybe some of them turn into wins. So, but this team, you can certainly tell they're they're a little bit tired uh, of being disrespected uh, a bit. That's how they're going to take it. So. I like the uh, I like the narrative right right there in Nashville for the Gators in SEC media days. So, all right, man, there we go. Uh, T Whip Four Gator says, "What day does fall camp start?" I believe players report the thirtieth, and fall camp will start the thirty first. If I'm remembering off the top of my head, right? Uh, Ken Musk, yeah, there we go. He he confirms it. Yep, thirty first of July. Uh, but yeah, uh, report on the thirtieth. Practice starts on the thirty first. Uh, John Wilcox, going back to that offensive line talk, this is why you stack bodies along the offensive line. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Jeremy Carpenter with the with the prediction, 2-0 going into the Tennessee game. All right, so that would mean a win versus Utah, game one, McNeese, game two. But yeah, fun episode. Glad to you know, hear back from these players. We haven't heard from a lot of these players um uh, since springtime right there all these spring practice press conferences but first time we got to hear from a lot of those guys right here at SEC Media Days we get to hear from one more next week right here on Gators Breakdown Princely Umon Yellen will join me right here on Gators Breakdown so we get to hear from Princely what he's bringing to the table in his new edge spot so Princely Umon Yellen joining us right here on Gators Breakdown through Florida Victoria's big thanks to them for uh Helping set that up, getting it done there. But all right, that'll do it for this episode of Gators Breakdown. I am your host, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thank you for joining me on this episode of Gators Breakdown.